RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. The RAC's Clinical Trials Network Australia and New Zealand, or CTANS, seeks to inspire trainees to make a difference by incorporating research into their daily practice. CTANS was formed in 2017 to provide a structure for RAC's trainees, junior doctors and medical students to lead and be involved in high-quality surgical research and trials. Since then, CTANS has driven improvements in surgical care by enabling investigator-led multi-centre trials to be carried out in Australia and New Zealand. CTANS has proven valuable to trainees who work at the coalface of surgical care and are able to identify gaps in knowledge and procedure. These gaps are the genesis of future clinical studies, changing patient care for the better. CTAN's Clinical Director, Professor David Watson, discusses the inspiration behind its foundation with Chris Ashmore. This developed out of a model that grew organically in the United Kingdom, specifically started around Birmingham, going back over a decade ago, and where um, trainees started getting together to work collaboratively, typically trainees are required to undertake research as part of their surgical training but more often than not it's been done on an individual basis and by working together the trainees in the UK were able to deliver far more impactful projects and studies and data that inform clinical practice so we became aware of this really about four years ago and the section worked to establish a framework for the development of networks in Australia and New Zealand which are bottom-up so they really are formed by the trainees, run by the trainees, the trainees drive the agenda but with mentoring from more senior people who can perhaps give some advice on how to keep things on the straight and narrow to some extent. And this is growing organically. So effectively, CTANS is a network of networks within the college, primarily operating in the trainee space. And what's your background, David, and what's your involvement with CTANS? Yeah, so I'm at the other end of my career, so I'm in the more senior ranks these days. But I've had a background in research as part of an academic career. And as part of that, I've been or have led and have been involved in many clinical trials. When CTANS was uh, established initially, John Windsor from Auckland, New Zealand, uh, was in the the role of the clinical director. The section and John worked towards some uh, more formal support and structures through the college, and I was appointed to the role of clinical director uh, about three years ago. So I've been in this space for about three years, and I spend some of my time based out of the college's offices in Adelaide to oversee the development of these networks but said very much a case of a network of networks rather than one network in the way in which we operate. Mm -hmm. Now for members like surgeons, surgical trainees, junior doctors, medical students, how do the CTANS activities benefit them? Yeah so I think going back about four or five years the well, in fact, go back as long as I can remember in surgical training, there's always been some sort of requirement to engage in some sort of research training as part of the way in which we train surgeons. And that's been debated over the years as to what's the best way to, to go about that. But the bottom line has been that the typical requirement for most specialties has been for someone to complete a project that is presented at a national or international meeting 
or published in a journal, but typically that's been done on an individual basis and has had to be squeezed into a standard six-month training term, which significantly limits what the trainees can actually do. And it's meant that the typical research that's undertaken during clinical placements, during surgical training, has been uh, sort of retrospective and case note reviews or um, analysis of data in a database rather than sort of prospective studies which can be designed from the bottom up and arguably deliver a bigger outcome. So what CTANS does is it brings the trainees together so they work collaboratively on projects. A project can outlive a surgical training term and certainly goes beyond an individual unit. So a network of trainees working in a a particular specialty or a particular area can organise a project that will run across multiple sites and if it needs to run for more than the six-month term, as the trainees rotate, they hand it to the next trainee who comes onto the unit and so on until the project's finished. So that means that we've got, you know, instead of one person doing a small project, we've got sometimes 20 people or maybe 100, sometimes even more than that. There's one international project we were involved with last year where there were 5,000 people contributing. So the scale can be adjusted or can match the what you need to actually answer the question properly. And that delivers an outcome which has more impact. 5,000 participants is quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah, so that's an example of a project that was initiated out of the UK environment. So it actually came from Global Search Network in Birmingham. So there are some projects which are definitely homegrown from Australia and New Zealand. And there are some projects where we've linked up with our colleagues in the UK to be part of the contributors. But that particular project was called... COVID surge week. So what it meant was that the trainees effectively collected data on all patients undergoing surgery over a one-week period, which was, if I remember correctly, was about October last year. And they were able to form small teams to collect that data. There was a project management team, again, largely trainees with a bit of supervision that was met virtually across Australia and New Zealand, and they were responsible for coordinating the setup of centres across the whole Asia-Pacific region. So 5,000 participants in that one, and essentially there were outcomes from environments where there was virtually no COVID happening. So Australia and New Zealand would be examples of no COVID, but there are also environments in other parts of the world where um, COVID was running rampant. So we were able to then compare outcomes and look at the impact of COVID in sort of high versus low prevalence environments and on how we should manage surgical care. That project, I think, ended up with about 150,000 patients recruited, which we think is the largest study ever conducted in the world. Wow. So we made a contribution, as did a lot of others, From the trainee perspective, I think they learned how to run good quality prospective research. They learned about establishing data collection systems, how to run those systems across multiple sites in a a virtual world, how to interact with their colleagues, both nationally and internationally. And there were sort of various levels of responsibility taken around the organisation of that. Well, among Australia and New Zealand, surgical trainees, junior doctors, surgeons and medical students... How many are involved in CTAN's activities? Oh, very hard question. So, 
We've actually tried to answer that question and I found it incredibly difficult. We did one head count and came up with about 1,900, but I actually think that probably underestimates it. That was based on the people that the different networks within CTANS, and there's about 20 of them, uh, nominated as being active members of the network. So one of those networks was the Tasman Group, which is part of the Australasian Surgical Students Association, and they nominated about 1,000 active members. But there are others that nominated sort of um, a couple of networks. I can think of that nominated three or four, and that was essentially their leadership group. So I think we're underestimating it. There's probably there's probably three or 4,000 people that have been involved in these studies to date. Well, that's a significant number, isn't it? And what do they get out of being involved? Yeah, so I think there's probably different motivations for different groups and different individuals. Certainly, CTANS has taken a position that uh, we are supporting trainee networks, and we've defined trainees broadly. So that's potentially anyone on the pathway to a career as a surgeon. So that can be a medical student, it can be an intern, it could be someone who's working as an RMO in a hospital, uh, trying to get onto a training program, the trainees, and then people that are um, doing sort of higher training before a definitive consultant role. I think for some of them, or for a lot of them, it's the involvement in research is, in a way, I guess it's trying to improve their, you know, the very junior end of the scale, their competitiveness for entering training programs. But for a significant number, I think they get the research bug and they actually do it because they actually want to be part of something big and they actually want to improve clinical practice and the way in which we ultimately deliver care. So I think when I look at the people in the leadership positions, it's not about necessarily improving the CV, it's about actually making a difference. And fortunately, some of the training boards are recognising this and are now starting to adjust their research training requirements to recognise the contributions the trainees make to these projects, which can be recruiting patients, collecting data, and it can be sorting out the nuts and bolts, if you like, the ethics and governance applications at local sites can be developing the protocol, which is going to be uh, applied across multiple sites. It can be looking at the data. It can be you know, coming up with the original idea and it can also be presenting the the outcomes at meetings, which range from local hospital meetings all the way up to international meetings, potentially. They can get a lot out of it. If they're involved in a, a number of projects, they will get a broad training in clinical research. Any particular recent studies carried out by CTANS that you could tell us about? Yeah, so I mentioned COVID Surge Week. We're holding that one up as the world's biggest, but there were some other studies we were involved with, with the uh, Europeans and uh, North Americans around COVID outcomes, which effectively we became the control groups because we had such little impact from uh, COVID last year. Even though Melbourne was in lockdown for a large chunk of it, there's still low case numbers. But those studies worldwide were able to show that if you were infected with COVID or um, got infected in the early post-operative period, your uh, chances of death rocketed up. So it was good to avoid COVID if you're having elective surgery. There was a study which showed that vaccinating for COVID prior to surgery was actually more cost-effective and reduced more deaths than vaccinating the general population based on the current criteria that we use. So that was certainly probably more applicable in, in the UK environment and the American environment where um, things were running rife. But you could argue that right now maybe that should be considered in uh, parts of Australia. The other one I think which is worth mentioning 
which is off the COVID topic, but well, partly off it. We were involved in a randomised controlled trial, which the, the acronym was SUNRISE, but essentially this was a trial looking at a cohort of patients who had emergency abdominal surgery. At the completion of their surgery, they were randomly assigned to a standard wound dressing or a single-use negative pressure dressing. The rationale being that the single-use negative pressure dressings reduce the risk of wound infection, the downside being that these are a slightly more complex device and cost several hundreds of dollars rather than you know, a couple of dollars. And they're on the shelves in hospitals. The evidence behind them has been probably low quality. So we collaborated with our UK colleagues and they had funding in the UK. We managed to get funding from the Medical Research Futures Fund in Australia for this trial. We got that funding in 2019. The study started in Australia in the beginning of 2020 and then along came COVID. Our target was to try and uh, recruit 210 patients over about 18 months. The UK had already recruited 400 and they were going for 630, so 840 in total. COVID came along and it completely shut down the UK. We were actually able to keep going in Australia and the success of the trial was that we recruited our 210 in about six months, so about three times faster than what we anticipated. And then we were able to keep going to get the numbers up to about 300 in Australia and ultimately we sort of reached the study target of 840. So that was an example of probably the first major randomised trial that we managed to get significant funding for, but we were able to execute it because of the nature of the training networks much quicker than we expected, and we're actually able to sort of salvage the international arm of the trial by over-recruiting at our end to compensate for what was happening in the UK. We're waiting on the results of that trial. I can't really preempt them at this stage, but either way, it will be the definitive trial that shows whether or not we should be using these wound dressings. That's terrific. It's terrific to hear the work that you're doing. What are some of CTANS's other achievements? From my perspective, I've been really pleased that we've been able to grow the number of networks and grow the number of trainees involved. So taking out the sort of the specific studies, when we were sort of starting out in 2017, we had about sort of six embryonic networks. We're now up to nearly 20. We've been able to develop binational networks that cover Australia and New Zealand in areas like paediatric surgery, neurosurgery, Plastic surgery, we've developed regional networks, which are sort of for Australia are state-based and New Zealand forms one region in general surgery to cover probably three quarters of the two countries at this stage. We'd like to get complete coverage. And then we've been able to develop some other studies in the sort of subspecialty spaces as well. We would like to expand to all specialties and all regions. The UK experience was that that took them about a decade to sort of achieve that. So we think probably where we've got to in a couple of years has actually been pretty good. Well, I suppose to wrap up and looking towards the future, David, what's next for CTANS? So I think it's been good that we've been able to be involved in some really impactful international studies. We've had some locally homegrown studies that are perhaps on a slightly smaller scale. 
But what we've seen is an increase in the homegrown studies and we've actually seen studies arise out of Australia and New Zealand that people in Europe and the UK now want to pick up and support us with. So what's next? I think it's increasing the number of studies, starting to lead more studies internationally and working with our colleagues internationally to deliver. Professor David Watson. RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.